beer with the boys. Beer, 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 boys. Beer with the boys. You can kind of hear it right there. It's so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Happy Hour with Beer with the Boys. Uh, I am one of your hosts. I'm Jake today. That's the the alter ego that I'm throwing out there. Um, I'm alongside Jeremy. That's the alter ego. He's he's pulling out today. We have to be a little bit more serious than usual this uh, this episode because we have an incredibly special guest. Um, we're very very excited about this one. Um, we had a review of, uh, of, of, of this whiskey a couple of weeks back and uh, gave it, I, I believe it was a five-star review. And I think so, yeah. If it, if it wasn't, we apologize. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but we, we got a five-star review, or gave it a five-star review. Take the, uh, the distillery in it, had a reach out from the distillery. They commented on it, which was super cool. It was the first time that had happened for us, um, being a, kind of an up-and-coming you know, podcast and, and reviewer. And... Uh, and we turned it into something here. So today, I'm very excited to uh, to introduce um, the the owner of Drop Time Spirits, and he's also he also he's the founder of a lot of stuff. And uh, we found out a lot more about him today that we're just going to cover. Avid outdoorsman, um, founder of of a of hunting outlets. And, and, and as such, which we'll definitely get into, I'll let him explain it more in, in depth, but we have Dave Edder on the show today. Dave, how the hell are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to meet you guys. Absolutely. The ple- pleasure is all yours. We're really, uh, we're re- as I said, we're really excited about this and I'm um, excited to drink some uh, some good whiskey and uh, and have some good conversations today. Yeah, looking uh, forward to it. Yeah. So, so Jeremy, you have anything to say before we, we get into the, the very first question and kick this happy hour off? No, I'm just excited to talk to someone that makes good whiskey that I enjoy. You know, yes. I always want to talk to distilling people. So yeah, yeah. We always we get the tour of distilleries, but we <laughs> never get to talk to the actual people behind the behind the scenes. So uh, we love that. Well, the time starts, the happy hour starts as soon as um, I ask this first question. And I feel I feel like the answer is pretty obvious today, <laughs> but the first question, as always, is what are you drinking, Dave? Well, I think you uh, you hit that on the head. I'm drinking some Drop Time 12 point bourbon. I was uh, we also have a vodka and a moonshine, that, but the bourbon is my favorite, and I had to go with that since that's how we met with uh, you guys reviewing it. Absolutely, absolutely, Jeremy. What what do you got over there? Uh, big surprise here. I'm also drinking the Drop Time 12 point. Yeah, twelve point bourbon here. Oh, wow! Very nice. <laughs> what a uh, this is this is awkward. I mean, I'm also drinking the drop time twelve point uh, whiskey. Weird how that happens. <laughs> I actually right before the show, um, I, I I've tried it. Obviously, when going over to Jeremy's house, I've I've tried this whiskey before. But today, I had to get my own bottle. So right before the show, I took a took about a two mile walk to our nearest liquor store, get a little workout in, and bought it, and uh, and was lucky enough to get batch number one. So. Uh, it's uh I'm, yeah you gotta hold on to that batch one that's impressive you found that today actually because we sold out of batch one quite a while ago oh boy so, hold on to that bottle that <laughs> thing's gonna be worth something <laughs> we, we, we can only hope here this is incredible and i have uh and, and, and just with the first couple sips here there's a there's a new saying that i that i learned and i dropped it on the on the show a few weeks ago where i only collect bad whiskeys because i drink all the good ones it's safe to say that I will not be collecting this this whiskey. Line. <laughs> oh. 
Absolutely. So um, great. Well, we're all drinking the same thing. We'll see how it affects us throughout the show here, if it affects us differently. Um, but uh, but with that, as we always like to like to, to kick off after that, uh, the shotgun start. Um, so Dave, what are our three things that you have you've tried new in the in the the the, the past here, the you know not so distant past here, or three things that you're planning on trying new or implementing new in your life in the in the not so distant future? Well. For the people who don't know, I've been doing a bow hunting e-commerce website for 20-something years. Hunting's really a passion. Four or five years ago, we launched Drop Time. In the last three, four months, I've taken on the role of CEO of a website called Field Ethos, which is going to be a kind of hunting, fishing, uh, adventure website that uh, Don Trump Jr. is starting with a couple of guys, and they asked me to jump on board. So actually, that's insanely exciting project that uh, I'm working on. I'm just trying to basically bring hunting and fishing and the adventure in a kind of non-apologetic way to people. It's become a little bit in our world, a little bit like, oh, you know, I hunt, but it's because uh, I need the food. Uh, And you almost have to apologize for enjoying the process. And, you know, uh, field ethos is going to be a step towards the direction of like, we do this not just for the food, but because we love it and mm-hmm. not really going to apologize for that. And uh, so that's, a, that's number one. Uh, number two, we're going to do a rum coming into Ooh. next year, nope. which is uh, very exciting to produce. And uh, let's see, number three, I'd like to leave New York City and move to Florida. So I don't know if that counts. It <laughs> counts <laughs> enough. It works for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this city is breaking me down. Are you like Are- deep in the city then or? Yeah, I mean, you're, I'm sitting right here in Upper East Side, Manhattan, right now. And oh, jeez, it's, uh, it's like a war zone. <laughs> jeez. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, Florida will definitely be better than that. So, and uh, get out of that 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 grind out there. We're we're in in suburb Wisconsin right now. We're we're living it right now. Yeah. We're great. So slow life. Um, well, listen, I told you my brother's in in Wisconsin, who's my partner in all the ventures that we do, and and he just laughs at me every other day when he he'll just look up cost of living in new york and send that to me in a text and with big smiley faces like you idiot i'm like well played fair enough excellent well three three great things we're definitely um excited about that uh that that rum for sure and uh uh, getting that into our our liquor cabinets here soon enough so it can't be it can't be soon enough but uh um excellent thanks for sharing right there so jeremy why don't you kick us off with the with some questions here yeah um i was i also did my my pre-episode with a guest creeping on the internet if you call if that's what it's called no i don't even know i guess it's yeah. research um but i i was reading so i want to hear more about the story about how you guys came up with the idea for drop time because from what i heard it was like talking about what deer like to eat and all of a sudden yeah it's, so it's kind of multi-level i mean i'm sort of a serial not necessarily entrepreneur but i just whatever i love i try to get into you know so hunting was a love and i got into that and you know for better or worse maybe it's my uh, alcoholism but i love drinking and uh my brother as well and probably like five years ago we were talking about how difficult retail was which is our main business um, because Amazon was drilling in and we thought, well, we really need our own product to sell that we can't have, no one can knock it off. And but hunting is very new product driven. You have to be a designer, which I'm not. And we thought, well, what else could we possibly market? And 
we were saying, well, we both love to have a drink at deer camp. Maybe we could come up with some kind of, you know, line of spirits. And uh, it was just kind of a conversation. The next time we were talking, my brother in Wisconsin was saying, uh, you know, he's planting food plots for deer. And he's like, I'm planting corn because if there's corn in the winter and standing, you're going to find the deer. And I said, you know, look, I'm lazy. If I were you, I'd plant some apple trees and some persimmon trees because, you know, they fruit every year. And if a deer hears a persimmon drop, it'll run a mile to come eat it. It's just so delicious. And uh, he was like, you know, that would be the drink. Uh, you know, corn whiskey, uh, you know, persimmon apple. I bet you that would be, and it kind of just thought, yeah, that would be cool. And he's like, yeah, we'll call that drop time moonshine just as a joke. Uh, but it wasn't too long after I met a good old friend of mine who was invested in a distillery in Roscoe, New York. And she, she was like, you want to come check it out? And I met with them and the master distiller and started saying, well, could you make this for me? And it, so probably a year and a half process of figuring out what that drop time moonshine would taste like. Um, and we came out with a vodka at the same time, but we really wanted a bourbon, but obviously you gotta, bourbon takes a little longer to make. You gotta make it, age it. So the moonshine is, you know, corn whiskey unaged, infused with persimmon and apple. Uh, vodka's really simple to make. Um, takes a little extra to make it good, which is running through some filters. Um, and then we came out with the bourbon, but it was really, it was very kind of organic of like, oh, let's, let's try this. And, and the advice we got when we got into it was, look, you could make a really cool bottle that everyone will buy, but the juice better taste really good because you're gonna go bankrupt if you get everyone to buy just for the look of the bottle. So we put as much effort into the bottle uh, because that's obviously a lot of the marketing, but we're really proud of the juice. I mean, the bourbon for a new company like ours, we got a 92 rating from Wine Enthusiast, which is really high rating. Um, and we've gotten great reviews on it. Uh, it's a higher proof, but still pretty smooth and sweet. So we're, we're really excited about it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so let's rewind uh, you know, quite a bit here. And you, and you already said it, you're kind of a serial entrepreneur in, in, in the sense, and you have quite a, you know, you have quite the resume um, of, of, of being a part and, and developing and, and, and running successful companies with, you know, with obviously drop time is how we got connected, but there's so much more um, than, than meets the eyes and, or, or the taste buds with this. Um, where, where have you just always had that sort of mindset um, or where do you think that, uh, that, that sort of entrepreneurship sort of developed for you? Yeah. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur. He was an environmental engineer. He had his own firm uh, and for better or worse, he was this old kind of German, you do things your way kind of style, which was great in some ways, but um, and so I just didn't know anything other than you're supposed to do something for yourself. You know, so the first opportunity I had to try to start something, I did. Um, and then, but what you quickly realize is, I mean, at least me, maybe it's my ADD, I get, I get bored, so I want to try a couple of other things. And, but the harder you work, the more opportunities pop up and you come up with different ideas. And, but I mean, I really got my start. I loved hunting and fishing my whole life. My brothers did, my dad did. Uh, and in college, I, uh, was taking English as a major. I loved writing. And I told my dean, I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to be an outdoor writer. And he looks at my transcript. And he's like, well, I don't know. 
doesn't look like you're necessarily the best writer. And I said, well, luckily hunters can't read. So I think I'm going to be. <laughs> um, and then he said, you know, it was really interesting. He goes, well, I'd be careful about doing what you love for work because it, it might just become work. And uh, probably like 10 years into the industry, I was like, oh, this is what he meant. Become, you know, your busy season is the hunting season. You don't get the hunt. Um, so there's pros and cons to it, but you just have to spice it up. And uh, I've just kind of followed my passions and what works for my family and my life at the time. They're, they're, you know, I live in New York City because my wife loves living in the city. She works in, in, in banking and uh, I found a way to make it work for us, right? Could have, so I don't know. I just uh, really pursue, it, it's almost a selfishness that seems to have been working out for me so far. That makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> I guess kind of to follow up on on that, uh, was it? I guess because what I found interesting was the the my your passion became work. Has that ever been like a struggle with anything else that you've been doing like since writing? Because I know didn't you write for? It was like a magazine. Was it? Am I yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I, I did. So out of college, I I worked for Outdoor Life and Field and Stream, and then. Peterson's bow hunting magazine, and then it morphed into starting my bow hunting business online. Um, but yeah, that's the point it did. I mean, it, there, there have been lulls, even sort of why we started drop time was all right, we've kind of got this e-commerce thing. We have a great thing, but what else can we do to spice it up? And um, no, uh, but like I said, I think the big thing was it does become, there was a period of time where, when it got really busy, I had one of the biggest bow hunting businesses and there was probably two years where I, I didn't even get to go bow hunting, right? So there's this odd thing of like, I love it. So I went into it, but my busy season is bow hunting. I can't even get out to bow hunt and then kind of have to adjust your life a little and figure out a way to make sure you don't lose your passion for work. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, I get, uh, go ahead, Meckley. Sure. My next uh, so <laughs> it's percolating. I think I was going to say, but go ahead. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. So um, looking at the, the more hunting side of things. So unfortunately you're talking to two, to two guys that haven't hunted quite yet. So, uh, you know, well, we got to change that. Exactly. So we, we grew to. up in the Midwest. We both have talked about it. We both have wanted to, to get involved with it. I married into a family that is uh, avid hunters. So um, it is it is coming in the not so distant future. Um, and and my growing up was was more lumberjack sort of work. My dad was a custom woodworker. So that's where uh, where where we spent the time. Um, right. I know Jeremy did a lot of fishing growing up. Um, and that was where he spent his time. But for two guys that uh, haven't quite gotten involved into the hunting scene, but definitely want to, what is your initial, uh, and as well as a bunch of listeners that we have that I know probably don't, probably don't hunt, what, uh, what is going to be your initial advice to that sort of population uh, as they start getting involved into it and, and, and ensuring that, um, you know, obviously one, they're successful and, 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 and two, uh, they want, they have that continuity. They want to be doing it, you know, year in and year out. You know, it's, it's been an interesting thing because hunting has been on a decline for probably 10 years, give or take, but COVID spiked it because of the outdoor mm -hmm. and a lot of new people like yourselves. And by the way, you guys have way too good facial hair not to be hunters. <laughs> <laughs> 
mean, you got a lot of testosterone. You should be out in the woods shooting stuff. But, you know, what it takes is just asking someone that hunts to take you out and under your wing. Like you can't, it's one of those sports you can't just intuitively go do. Somebody's got to introduce you to it. And once you do it, it's so much fun because it's, it's the camaraderie, you're out with friends, but you have a mission, whether it's deer hunting from a tree stand or hiking a mountain to hunt sheep in Alaska. Like there's just, there's a culture and an excitement to it. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's, it's hard to explain why. It's sort of an, an inherent human thing. And a lot of people these days want to cancel you for saying it, but it's fun to hunt and shoot an animal. And, you know, it's sort of the basic nature of humans is to, like, hunt and gather, right? And rather than go to the grocery store to grab your food, uh, you've got an opportunity to do that. Um, but also it's... it's 98% of the hunts, you don't get anything. It's just time with friends, learning about it. If you travel somewhere, learning the culture of where you travel. If you're at deer camp, just catching up with friends. Uh, just like fishing. I mean, my actually, my favorite thing to do is spearfishing, which is sort of like underwater hunting. And, you know, it's just, there's an excitement to the outdoors. Every time you go, you see something new, you learn something new, you get better. It's a... Uh, you know, we were talking about the other day, and it's more like after high school, you know, some people play a college sport, but very few, and then competitive things disappear uh, where you push yourself. And hunting and fishing can be one of those things that you push yourself to get better at or just have a goal to succeed, whether it's to catch a fish in a river or read it the right way or, you know, get a bigger deer or get just a deer for dinner, whatever it is. Um, so it's exciting, it's awesome, it's fun, but the way to get into it is you just have to ask somebody that hunts to say, hey, can I come with you and see what it's all about and see if it's for you? Because it, it's definitely not for everyone, but there's no way for you to say, I'm going hunting today, right? Mm -hmm. You just, you need somebody to bring you out there and say, come with me and let me show you. And almost every hunter is excited to bring a new guy out because we all, if you hunt, you generally love it. And so everyone loves to share what they love, right? So that, that's what I would say is just if, if you have the slightest inclination to hunt, if you have a friend or family member who hunts, say, hey, can I just tag along one day? Absolutely. And we're, we're both, we yeah, were both college say. wrestlers. And, uh, and, and so I, at least, you know, I can only speak for myself here. We have, you know, I have been kind of itching for that, that competition uh, ever yeah. since it ended. And, and, you know, you have different jobs and you get a sales gig and, you know, it's kind of, you know, competition in sense or in podcasting like try to get more listeners this episode than the right. previous and so on and so forth um, but nothing has really stuck in this that that competitive edge and you know at least for me I've never thought about hunting or, or even fishing in 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 in, in you know, being outdoors in that sort of competitive mindset and, and the way that you just explained it might've been the, the final nail in the coffin, if you will, to say, all right, let's, let's do it. So, yes. so, so Nick, my, my cousin-in-law, if you're listening, it's time we're, we're going we're, out we're this, uh, this year. Well, it's like the, if you hear the term and again, some, some people have a negative association of trophy hunting, right? Which is some people, oh, you shouldn't trophy hunt and kill something for that. But you know, there is something great about trophy hunting of trying to exceed your record, whether it's for a trout or an elk or a deer 
or striped bass, whatever it is, going for that trophy is, I think, inherent in all of us of trying to just improve and doing it outdoors with friends is an awesome, I mean, to me, there's no better way to spend life. So I, I you know, it is very much, it's not competitive with your friends, it's, it's competitive in yourself. Like my, the other thing, uh, my wife and I run marathons every year and it's like hunting and fishing, which is I'm nowhere near competitive of winning a marathon, right? Those guys finish before I start, but I've got my goal of like, okay, this year I want to do three hours and 30 minutes. And if I make that, I feel like I won the Super Bowl. And if I don't, I feel like I lost the Super Bowl. And hunting is sort of like that. You put a goal into yourself and, and you find something really special and unique out there. And uh, which circles back to you know, my drop time deer, which is something rare and non-typical and unique. It's just getting out there and trying. So that's, uh, that's my hunting background anyway. Hell yeah. That's really cool. It makes it sound a lot cooler than uh, just going out and killing an animal. Make it sound like it's a holistic experience. And I, it really feels like that's what it is. And I think that's one thing that really draws me to it is just like you, you get to go out and spend some really quality time with people because there's there's no phones, there's no computers. It's just you guys hanging out, having a drink of whiskey and, and, and going out and trying to, to complete a goal together. So definitely yeah, get out there. It's, a, it's definitely a fun thing. And like I said, not for everyone, but at least give it a shot. Right. I mean, I brought my wife was not for her, but I've introduced <laughs> probably 20 people to it. And I'd say 16 of the 20 just fell in love with it. Right. And it's because it, what's not the love of outdoor nature? It's uh, it's great. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, so another question related to hunting. What has been like the the pinnacle moment of your hunting experiences so far? There been like one moment that's just been like this is the best, or that's one of the yeah. fan questions as well. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Well, for me, it would have been I must have been around fifteen or sixteen, where my buddy from you know school was like, "Let's go duck hunting," and I'd never gone duck hunting, and I don't think he'd even gone duck hunting, <laughs> and. We went, you know, he's like, I, he had this map. He's like, I, we're, I think we can legally hunt in this one spot. And we went there and we sat probably like five hours and didn't see anything. Right at sunset, which is the end of legal time, one duck flies in. We both unload all of our shells, which is three. <laughs> so we fire six shells at this one poor little duck. And, uh, but we dropped it. And that buddy of mine, Harry, he's still my best friend, hunting buddy, fishing buddy. And we both look at each other like, you know, if that duck didn't come in that day, we might have thought hunting is terribly boring. But that duck came in, we shot it, we ate it, it and we were hooked, you know. And so that that one moment was the greatest moment because it just sold me on the whole thing. Um, but, man, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't say otherwise. I mean, I... Like I mentioned, spearfishing to me is hunting. And to me, there's a couple of great moments spearfishing. Because spearfishing, you hold your breath, dive down 40, 50 feet, go into a school of fish, shoot it, come back up. Um, so there, there, was, there was one day out in Montauk, New York, where I was doing that with, uh, with Don Trump Jr., who's probably the greatest outdoorsman I ever met. And he got me into that. And 
we had gone a bunch of times. I could maybe get 30 feet deep was about my best drop. And the, you got a picture of the water is really about eight foot of visibility. So if you dive to 30 feet, 22 feet is in darkness because you can't see the ground. Then you get about eight feet from the ground and you can start to see. So it's, it's spooky, it's scary, it's cold. And we were in 50 feet of water and I just could not get to it. Uh, and Donna dove down, shot a huge gas, pops up, another guy gets another one. And I'm like, it's 50 feet, I can't get down. And Don looks at me, he's like, you gotta fucking get down there. And it just was enough to fire me up to be like, well, if he can fucking do it, I'll do it. And I got down into a school of probably thousands of striped bass that weighed 40 to 50 pounds. And it was the coolest experience I'd ever seen. It looked like zebra crossing a river because they have these beautiful stripes and they all act as one, even though they're all separate, like a, like almost minnows react to us. And I got my first really large striped bass. And so that would be my second time. The first is a lucky duck. Second time was pushing myself to go deeper than I had. Uh, so those are my two favorite moments. So I, I know we started this podcast thinking we're going to be talking a lot about whiskey and such, but you have, you have just pushed the button of interest in our brains here. And, and we are going to keep talking about this until, until we can't no more, at least. So Is it all um, right if I refill my whiskey though? Yes, please, please do. There's no rules here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do what you got to do here. So um, I think my next question, just going off of that. Um, you know, we talked about your favorite experience or most memorable experiences with hunting. Are there any memorable, uh, just strictly locations or favorite locations that you've, you've gotten to go to, uh, for hunting or fishing or, or, or whatever, uh, have you that yeah, just well, your I favorite mean, listen, spots you like going back to? I, I'm lucky enough that I've been to Africa a couple of times and, uh, that's just an epic, incredible, you just can't believe it still exists on the earth the way the natural wildlife there is. And uh, I mean, you can't even really begin to describe, especially me, like I'm from New York, I live in New York City and you fly out to Africa and Botswana is still pretty wild. There's a lot like South Africa's, lots of great game parks to go to, but they are ultimately high fenced. So they're mm -hmm. like a gigantic zoo. Botswana is still really, there's an Okavanga Delta that's just, um, it's a, it's a desert that floods once a year or so. And, and it's this amazing place. And uh, I don't know even how to describe it, but you, you've got a bow in your hand. You take a little boat up these little channels. You find an island looking for lechway, which are a beautiful antelope. And you kind of cut into the woods. And then all of a sudden, you'll smell something so horrendous. And you realize that's a leopard right above you and you're no longer the one hunting, that thing's hunting you and you gotta get the hell out of there, right? Like it's just, and it blows your mind that it even exists in this world. So, I mean, Africa is the true adventure, right? I mean, there's just no, no touching that. Uh, and uh, I had done that hunt prior to getting married. And then when I said, uh, when we got married, I said, we gotta go to Africa for a honeymoon. And it's as enjoyable if you go on a photo safari as it is on a hunting safari. I mean, it's just, and you know, on our honeymoon, we just, you know, my wife doesn't hunt, but it was just as exciting and, and uh, unbelievable if you're taking pictures too. Sounds really cool. Oh man. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from that Africa. That just sounds awesome to like yeah. experience <laughs> that nice. level of wildlife. Cause 
you don't really get that much in America. I guess there's some places like, I guess my 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 mind goes to the closest thing is like Yellowstone National Park because you well, got like that's buffalo and stuff. The best. Um, but you don't really get that like sense of like holy crap, this thing could literally jump out of the tree and kill me, <laughs> and then I'm done. Um, so, yeah, Unless you run a... into like a grizzly or something. Yeah. Well, you can do that in Yellowstone easy, right? I mean, that place is. I mean, Yellowstone is is our Africa, right? That's right. that's as great as it gets. No. So yeah, I mean, it's it's that, but I mean, I've been fortunate enough to fish. I didn't hunt in, in Alaska, but fishing in Alaska was one of the greatest moments. And uh, my dad, that was 1991, took my brothers and I to Alaska. And, uh, you know, he was like, this trip costs a ton of money, but you guys are going to get, you know, you're, and I'm the youngest of three, so they were already seriously dating people i was graduating high school but he's like everyone's going to kind of get married we're not going to be able to do trips as a family anymore and i thought what are you talking about like we'll always get to do family trips whenever we want right and then sure enough though that was really the last time because the oldest brother gets married and he has to do things with the other family and so for a lot of reasons that was uh as a family my brothers and i and my dad the last chance we got to spend alone for a week just catching fish and you know Actually, I think that was the, while we were in Russia, I mean, while we were in Africa, uh, Alaska, uh, the Soviet Union collapsed and became Russia, and we didn't even know. Like, we got back seven days later, and like, oh, yeah, Soviet Union just collapsed. And we're like, oh, that's amazing, but we had an awesome time, right? So, but, man, I, I, I could also, like I said, that duck hunting that first time a mile from my house in Long Island was as really as exciting as those other trips, but. That's what I got. Is that just the comment right there? Something so big happening in the world like that. And you didn't know about it until that is my, it's got to be my favorite part or what I, you know, uh, about the idea, I guess for me right now, the idea of hunting is that, you know, you don't have that phone. You don't have the computer. You don't have the general news that's coming through. So something that big happening, you don't really realize or know until you come back. That is, yeah, that's an incredible the other cool story of that trip was uh you would fly out each morning from the lake to a different spot on a seaplane and uh one day we're all eating dinner back at the camp and the one plane doesn't come back and then we find out it crashed and we're like well who the hell crashed and there was this old couple fishing at the same place and they're the ones who didn't come back like oh my god they might have died and the next morning though they were back and they survived and sit to the i'm like jesus that must have been terrifying he's like well that's my third plane crash so it wasn't that bad <laughs> I was like, I'm like, what, the, what are you talking about your third plane crash he's like well i was shot down twice in world war ii so this one was actually the least scary of my three and i was like god right. damn it. i have not done a lot in life <laughs> that's you know? fair um like when you're like my third plane crash was the least scary you can say any plane crash is not scary. That's right. fine. We're good. After one crash, I would never fly again. I'd be landlocked. Yeah. But that's my, that's the thing about, I think, hunting is you, or fishing or anything, is you get out, you meet people who like what you do, but then they all have these awesome stories that you don't necessarily get out of people, right? But it's also like a podcast, right? You don't get stories out of people unless you say, hey, we're going to sit down and talk, even though we don't know each other. Yeah. So you know, deer camp, fishing camp, similar to a podcast, which I think is why so many of them like this are so popular. Absolutely. Uh, I actually do have a question about, so you, you work with your brother quite a bit. 
how yeah. how is that and like i'm guessing you guys are hunting buddies as well like you go out hunting and everything how is yeah. your guys because re- i have a younger brother and you're the youngest you said yes so how's your guys relationship because i got to imagine at some points either hunting or working together you guys are button heads and how does that kind of how does that relationship 100 like it complicates everything because listen we've been doing it so long now that it doesn't really complicate it now but when we started you know every fight had some undertone of something else right like mom loved you more dad (laughs) thinks you're his best friend and i'm fucking nobody right so it did take a long time i think now i mean i'm almost 50 he's over 50 you kind of eventually get comfortable in your skin but man it, it did take a long time and uh the pros to working with family for the most part is you can just inherently trust that if it's a big decision, they have your back, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the cons to working with family is little things can be way more complicated. So you're, you're kind of just saying, all right, I'm going to take the big decisions as more important than fighting over little things that we don't even know what we're fighting about. Like whose name goes first on the <laughs> website? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, or just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, you know how it is. It's the puffery of family, right? But uh, at the end of the day, you know you're still family. So I think it's, it's. I mean, we've been working together for 25-something years, so I could say, oh, we've had all these fights. But, you know, most relationships don't last that long. Most businesses don't last that long. So it has worked for us. But also, we've been in different states the entire time. Maybe that so, helps the separation. You're not always think, with each other. Helps, right? <laughs> we, we have our own lives. We have our own friends. We have our, I think if you were on top of each other in the office every day, I, maybe it'd be a different story. Yeah, whatever you guys are doing is working. Like, just can't wait yeah. to see more. So out of, out, of, out of all of your your uh the 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 companies that you've 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 started or or are planning to start or in the process of starting as 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 it goes these these businesses these ideas that you have gone as there been one that was more challenging than um than the others that just stands out in that sense and 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 how so was uh was was that the particular one that was just the the hardest to get up and going you know i don't I don't know that one is harder than the rest, but the bow hunting business that we've had the longest is, has been challenging in the sense of bow hunting is an awesome market, but it's not an endless market, right? So you know it's not a hugely scalable business. Um, so you're trying to take a, a big piece of a small pie. And so that makes it diff- like, I mean, if you're in, downloading movies you know maybe a very one percent of that business is a huge business right but you need a big chunk of the bow hunting business to have a good business so that's sort of it but i i'm not sure that i i mean we were talking about this today with the field ethos business that we're doing which is like an amazing opportunity um but there's no clear-cut roadmap anymore. Like you guys doing this podcast, there's no set way of like, hey, I feel like our parents' generation had a set way of, if you do this, you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't think any business has that anymore. 
Like it, I don't care what it is, even real estate, which was kind of simple. Like get a tenant, get the rent. Well, now wait, COVID hits, they don't have to pay rent. You can't kick them out, but you still have to pay your mortgage, right? There's no simple, um, it's a little overwhelming to be honest with, with starting businesses and figuring out, but also that's why there's opportunity, right? If there was, if it was easy, everyone would do it and everyone would be making a ton of money. So, um, you know, I think it's not so much which one's the hardest. I think they're all difficult. And then once you find your path, it changes, right? Like with, with my editors.com and I have bow hunting outlet for like 15 years, we're like, Oh, we're the Amazon of bow hunting. We have the biggest selection We ship fast, but, not a lot of customer service, meaning don't call us to say, what bow do I want? But if you know what bow you want, we're the best place. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, Amazon's sort of the Amazon of bow hunting, right? And you have to reinvent yourself. So I think that's the hardest part of any business is reinventing yourself. But like I keep telling my brother and we like GE doesn't make typewriters anymore. Um, so we can't cry that we have to change our, our strategy. Absolutely. So that, that, that sparked a good question there. And, 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 you know, perhaps it was, you know, just an example, but, um, or, and such, but competing with a, a website in a, in a company like Amazon, which it just, it's taken over everything, you know, it, right. if you will, what, what is that like knowing that, you know, what sort of thought processes, what do you feel that you have to do to sort of rebrand yourself, if you will, um, in order to compete with a company like Amazon, that is just regardless of the market that you're in, they're, well, they're, they're controlling it. My, uh, my claim to fame is that I sold Amazon stock at $19, which is like, I might be a gazillionaire if I had just held <laughs> it, but they had this, they, what they did 20 years ago was say to people like me, hey, list your products for sale on Amazon. We'll give you an exclusive. We don't put it in writing, but we'll give you an exclusive and you're going to sell a ton of stuff. And it became very appealing. Um, and what happened was a couple of my friends in the industry did sell on Amazon. This goes back, like I said, 20 years ago. I'm like, how's that going? They're like, well, it goes great until three or four months after you're selling something, you stop selling that product because Amazon demanded you list the UPC code for every item you sell. So as soon as something started selling well, they would start stocking that item. So they basically were parasites on the host of all these e-commerce partners who sold on them. So when that was happening, I sold their stock because it's like, they have to be put out of business, right? Like, how can that, that's so predatory, it can't exist in this world. Somebody's gonna shut it down. And in hindsight, all the antitrust laws are based on the consumer, not other businesses. So no one came after Amazon because the consumer was benefiting from their predatory practices. Like I list my bows, oh, they start selling those bows direct and they even sell it cheaper. So it's better for the consumer. Um, and it, it has been incredibly frustrating to compete with them. But on the same token, I mean, I'm in awe of what they've done because I hate them, but I shop with them all the time. <laughs> That's right? where they get you. But... I mean, it's like, hey, I started about the same time. I'm still selling deer piss 
and bows and arrows and you guys are selling you know web services to netflix and everything else they've done a great job and what happens is you have to come up with a drop time bourbon or something else because i've got a half a million customers maybe they all drink maybe they're like me and they love that kind of deer camp sensation and and you morph and change a little bit but you know if i sit here and say you know god they beat me up but i have been able to compete I've been able to stay in business because I have a buyer's club, which now has like 85,000 members, which has better pricing than Amazon offers and guys know it's there. Um, so you just have to be innovative to compete. I mean, and I, like I said, I'm sure love to see what you guys are thinking on with podcasts. How do you compete? How do you differentiate? Right. <laughs> and if it was easy, right. Everyone would do it. Well, first of all, I guess we have Amazon to thank for this delicious bourbon. So, I guess yeah, that's right. <laughs> I guess we'll give them that one. But if it wasn't for Jeff Bezos, we wouldn't be sitting here. Son of a gun! Hundred percent. Right. <laughs> By the yeah. way, can we just say that he's a genius? But what's I mean, his girlfriend not that great when you're the richest guy in the world. I don't even know what his girlfriend looks like, to be honest. Yeah, by the way, that tells you everything you need to know. You're like the <laughs> richest guy in the Felicity world. Felicity isn't showing it off. I mean, come on. What the whole reason you make all that money, right? Oh, man. You had to... <laughs> Hold on a second. Yeah, no, she's not here. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, that makes me question him even more, though, right? Yeah, crazy successful man. He's but. he's the next him between him and Elon Musk. They're the next big supervillains in the world. Have you ever been well, in an I, Amazon facility? I say Elon Musk is like a superhero, and Jeff Bezos is like <laughs> supervillain. You're ever, on that side, okay? All right. <laughs> have you ever been in an Amazon facility? I swear, that man's got more robots than anyone else in this world. It's it's scary. Like there's just robots <laughs> doing all the work. Everywhere. What did you know? You showed me that you have they have the robots that are taking the package from one place to another, but they can't find a robot to put the package on the robot to take it off. Yeah, like there's people doing else. like like you could have all robots doing all the work, but he's still got he, at least he's employing people, which is cool. But like the amount of robots in there that like if like I don't know what put in any uh, there's one post, malfunction post apocalyptic movie. Amazon's robots are taking over the world, and we're in trouble. Well, he, that, those guys are crazy because, you know, he owns the Washington Post, which was kind of like whatever side of politics you're on, there was this no, you know, you should have mail-in votes, right? Which was kind of the Washington Post Jeff Bezos attitude. And now his employees are trying to unionize and they're saying because of COVID, we should be able to mail in our vote that we want to be a union. And he's fighting saying, no, you can't mail in your vote to unionize, right? And you're like, Wait a second. It's got to go across the board here. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I don't care either way, but let's be consistent. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, he's he's one crazy dude, but I mean, that guy's. God damn it! That's why I'm drinking bourbon right now. <laughs> the bourbon that Jeff Bezos helped make. So, hey. <laughs> thank you, Jeff. I didn't. Of all ways that I thought this conversation would go, I did not think a slight, you know, couple minute bash on Amazon and Jeff Bezos was, uh, was, was going to come up in this episode and yeah. I am not disappointed in it. <laughs> <laughs> the first time he's been mentioned on this podcast, well, it's probably not the first time he's, he's one of those guys that's always doing something that you're like, what the hell are you doing guy? What are you guy? What are yeah. you doing, man? 
now. That guy's amazing, though. I remember when he started, uh, you know, they did, I don't know if they still do, but they were doing all of the Netflix hosting for the downloads of the videos. And at some point, Amazon decided to do their own Amazon Prime video, right? And and then all of a sudden, Netflix's video service was down for two days, but Amazon Prime's video wasn't down, but they're all on AWS service. So you're like, that guy's a genius. I mean, Jesus, the ultimate, the ultimate undercut man who just comes in, takes your idea, makes it a little better with all his money. Right. And, and, and just shows you. You know, I was, I think going back to business, you know, Jeff Bezos was afforded for whatever reason, whether it's his own genius or he was the right guy at the right time, he did not have to make money for 20 years. Stock market just fed him more money and said, okay, we believe in you. Um, And I think my difficulty was my dad was always like, never borrow any money from anyone. Right. You have to find a way to make it work because you just don't want to end up in debt. Yeah. And it's amazing that he found that way to borrow billions of dollars with no income and kept getting more money until it now is legitimately worth what it is. Right. But for 20 years, people were just feeding him money. And I would have been so afraid to say, I'm going to borrow money when I know I'm not making money. Right. And I don't. I guess I don't know how that works. How do you borrow money when you're not able to pay it back? But on a promise that maybe I get there. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about making money, should we take a little break to run our ad quick and come back? Well, you definitely need to make some money. So we got to run this ad. That was a great, great little move into that, into that ad real quick. That was a professional podcast move right there. Hell yeah. You're no rookie, my friend. Yeah, Joe Rogan, we're coming after you. All right, enjoy this quick anchor ad, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Thank you for that little ad read right there. Thank you for making us a little bit of money. That's what we're uh, You just, you know what? For every person that listened to that ad, I want you to know that you just gave us one penny. Yes. So I appreciate that. Um, not out of your bank account, but out of Anchor's bank account. So we uh, we, we really appreciate that. Um. But uh, but Scooter, what 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 more questions do you got here? Sorry, my dog's going. It's, he just mentioned amateur hour, and then the dog starts barking. I think that's my imperfect foods order coming in. Um, what kind of dog? What kind of dog does a lumberjack own? Um, so she's a rescue dog. So she's uh, uh I don't even know what. Um, but she lo- we've been told she looks like a Vishla. So I don't know Mostly if you're familiar Vishla. with that breed. Um, but yeah, that's it's just like a it's a short a medium-sized dog that's i guess tan colored and very energetic and barks at everything no matter what it is so she's always got to make an appearance on the show i'm surprised Django hasn't jumped on yet he he's gotten into the in this into the situation of just sitting next to me and laying down and sleeping down here that's good yeah so he's finally learning that i'm a professional Django is your dog I, I I have a cat, unfortunately. So we have, and I shouldn't say unfortunately. I love this cat, but we I I've grown up a dog guy. I've never I was never even allowed to have cats in the house. We would have farm. I grew up on a on a farm. We were never allowed to bring the the cats inside the house, um, 
understandably for good so reason. Yep. It, for good reason so always grew up with dogs all of a sudden graduated went into the into the real world got a cat because we couldn't have a dog in the apartment that we were at and uh and he's kind of just stuck with us he's very dog like in that sense um but uh he usually makes an appearance in these podcasts by meowing a couple times um we are in the process we're paying off my wife's car and then once we do that we're getting a dog it's official sign the paper right now and what kind if of I, dog? we'll see we'll, we'll we'll see what happens at that time where where you know i'm definitely you, uh, you don't have a dog in your mind of like what your ideal dog is? <laughs> my my ideal dog i have two ideal dogs it's either uh, australian shepherd yes or yellow lab i grew up my favorite dog of all time was zoe she was a yellow lab absolute sweetheart and uh, and i would absolutely love that I was, I was at college, um, at the time when she passed away. So I wasn't, wasn't able to be there when she passed away. She, she was with us for all like 12 years. Um, so she would, you know, having a dog like that would be, uh, the ideal Australian no. shepherds. I had, I had a couple of them. If um, you have a lab and don't hunt, you're sort of <laughs> a bad parent. That's, that's what I've heard. So, uh, I mean, they literally will look at you for 12 years and say, what the fuck? Take what are we doing? doing? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's why she didn't make it to 14, I guess. Exactly. So <laughs> I've been bred to get a goddamn duck and you're not shooting any ducks. Absolutely. So I will, I promise you, I promise you by the end of 2021, I will have been hunting multiple times. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. I'll say at least I, once I so. for me. Hopefully he invites me along because my Absolutely. family doesn't hunt. So I, I don't, you're my only connection to hunting over there, Jake. So that that that's fine i have plenty of connections over here um again nick if you're listening you've heard it here first take the boys hunting the boys are coming hunting just don't be upset if we record a little bit while we are hunting yeah all right so my question what is your favorite whiskey or bourbon outside of drop time i mean obviously we can we can pander pick and say drop time so outside of I literally never drank whiskey. So my father died maybe 16 years ago. And after he died, my father's best friend took me on a pheasant hunt, kind of just right, taking me under his arm. I know you're sad, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I was a beer guy before that. Um, and we shot some birds. We go back to this little lodge with a fire and his dog is so tired from chasing pheasants all day it falls asleep on my feet and he's like you want some whiskey and i'm like i don't know i've never really had it and he's like this is some good stuff and he pours some mckellen 12 and have a sip and i don't know that it was that good other than the moment was a dog at my feet i just spent the moment with a guy who's a feeling for my dad fireplace right so i don't know that it was the drink as much as the experience but a hundred percent mckellen 12 the only thing if i could take one place to a deserted island that would be the drink even my own would be pushed off for that right but that's it that's crazy that's why we do this podcast is that it doesn't matter what's in front of you the moment like the best moments that any human being has ever had has been over a drink of something and maybe it's alcoholic maybe it's not but that it's it sticks with you yeah 
and the- if you can if you can catch that applause right there hell yeah that's what it's all about right there that is exactly what we do what we do mcclellan 12 fuck yeah same guy i will tell you a story which is he's an awesome dude he is a uh new york city very short jewish attorney who paid for his college and law school through ROTC. And so after school, he had to join the military as a lawyer, right? And he loved hunting and fishing, which is like, you you look at him, you think five foot two, Jewish attorney from New York, this guy doesn't like hunting and fishing, right? So he was stationed in, I think it was Nevada somewhere. And he was you know, his role was to defend um, court martials. So he was defending a guy who was being court martialed and he called out the general of the base for saying, you were too aggressive, right? And he was just doing his job saying like, this isn't, you know, this guy isn't guilty, blah, blah, blah. The general overstepped his bounds. The case goes its way. And next thing you know, he's transferred to be at some weird fishing camp in France. And the general was so pissed at my dad's friend that he was like, I'm gonna send this Jewish kid from New York to the place he hates to be, right? To a hunting and fishing camp in France where he is totally unwelcome. And meanwhile, this was his favorite place in the world. So he tells me the story <laughs> like, he's like, I get sent as a lawyer, I'm no longer practicing law. I'm building out a hunting and fishing camp for troops in France. So I'm bringing in wine. I'm getting fishing rights to the properties nearest, hunting rights. And he says, four years later, the general visits and says, you know, uh, I noticed a lot of people are very happy with the job you're doing here. And he says to him, well, General, have you ever heard of the rabbit and the briar patch? And General goes, yeah, I've heard of that story. He goes, you threw me in the fucking briar patch. And he was just like, literally super successful lawyer. He goes, best four or five years of my life was when I was thrown in the briar patch running a hunting and fishing lodge in France because a general tried to pay me back for coming at him, right? Just I to me that's the ultimate story. That is a Jeez. top five stories I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Tell me the top one. You can't put me on the spot like that. Dang. Ah, uh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. right, forget that. What was the last Pornhub search you did? <laughs> <laughs> that's not a great story though. Yeah, but listeners want to know. You gonna are you gonna delete that one or we're gonna keep that? I'll stay in there. Oh. We we don't. Edit. I don't know how to edit very much. You know, we're a live show. It's we don't edit. It's unfiltered. It's what comes yeah. out is what comes out. Like this is, this is right. what we talk right. about at happy hour. I guess I've never even heard of that place. I don't know what you're talking about. What what is porn hoop? <laughs> you can Google that. I've I've heard of somebody talk of it. We need yeah, a fact checker to it. Google it and find out what that is for us. We don't um, know. <laughs> all right, so. Um, this, this is a fan question here, um, and every so often we, we do these if fans send them in quicker than, than we, can, we can count. Um, but you, you, you've talked about your favorite 
memories. You've talked about your favorite locations. You've taken, you, you've talked about a lot of the, your favorite things about the, the, the sport of hunting. Um, in particular, what is the favorite animal? What is that favorite animal that, 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 that you get to hunt and why? It's easy, even though I have a bow hunting business, duck hunting is by far my favorite hunting because uh, it's social, right? Like deer hunting, you're generally speaking, you go up in a tree by yourself. Um, even more remote game, Africa, Alaska, it's, it's kind of a solo experience. I enjoy being with best friends. And duck hunting, you're kind of a group in a blind. You can talk, you can have coffee, shoot the shit. But when the ducks come in, it's fast and furious. So to me, duck hunting, and then the equivalent is, as I told you guys, spear fishing is the equivalent, which is it's fishing kind of on steroids, right? Like it's a great camaraderie. And as much as I love drinking, like we're having a few shots now, Fishing, you might drink. Spearfishing, you're not, right? You're just, you're on the game. It's a lot of fun. You're pushing yourself. Um, you're shooting the shit on the boat. But when you come into a school of fish, it's game on. So those two things, ducks and spearfishing are my favorite because it's camaraderie and then intensity, right? So I like that as opposed to the solitary. I'm going to sit by myself, go for that one animal. Oh yeah. yeah. Not, so, not yeah. the answer I was expecting, but the answer that, that we needed right there. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So Jeremy, you have any more questions? Otherwise we're, we're, we're running on the last like minute or so of happy hour. And I have a few more fan questions I can ask. I have one last question. Um, have you ever taken any lessons from being out hunting and applied it to your business life? That's a good question. Um, Probably not, not sure if I apply it to business, but life in the sense of one of the first times I went deer hunting, you can use a climbing stand, which you kind of like jimmy yourself up a tree and you wait for a deer. And I remember I climbed up, I was waiting all day. And then on my way down at sunset, the bottom part dropped out and I'm just hanging like I'm going to fucking die. And I'm like, there's no even point of yelling because my brother is a mile away from me. And as I'm panicking, he shows up, looks up and laughs at me. And I just thought there's, I'm not a spiritual, I, I have zero church. I don't go to, re, you know, any church. I have no religion, but there is that sense of like awe that, you know, when you need something, somehow that person shows up. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah. it's not so much a hunting thing as much as that moment of like, I'm going to hang from this tree forever. And then my brother's laughing at me below me somehow knowing there's no reason for him that like we were supposed to meet at the car. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. I think, you know, whether it's nature, hunting, just or just luck, I, I take that with me. Great answer. Yeah. That was my last question. So was, bring on the fan the questions. One. I mean, so potential happy, a happy hour has officially ended. So Dave, Dave do you it's have a few more? Hour. Do you have a few more minutes to, uh, 
to, to bribe the bartender into uh, giving us a few more? I can give you a few more minutes. I mean, I can go to the other room and get yelled at by my wife. So <laughs> we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah, I mean, so. between you guys and her, <laughs> <laughs> we're always a little bit better. That's, that's what we like to believe. So, um, all right. So these are all fan questions from, from here on until we open it up to, to, to you. Um, what is the, the, the hardest hunt or the most difficult hunt that you've ever been on? Um, whether it's been a particular animal, um, or, or one that you've just chased for a, for a couple of years, what has been the most difficult, uh, one that you've been on? That's a good question. I mean, you know, I haven't, there's a lot of guys that have done really hard hunts where they go for two, three weeks back country. And I have not done that. Um, I mean, just for family reasons, I don't disappear for three three weeks, right? Like where you push yourself to the edge. So I think the earliest story I told of the spearfishing trip of pushing myself to go deeper than ever. Um, I'm trying to think what the hardest hunt. I, you know, that's that's the hard thing. Other than pushing yourself, I just enjoy the hunt. So it's hard to say it was a hard hunt, right? Because I just love it. Um, so I'm going to have to pass on that in that sense of like, I haven't pushed myself to the limit beyond and I just love hunting. So I don't know that I can find the hardest, but I can, I could point you to a ton of guys that have done hunts that are insanely difficult. I just, for me, I have not done those backcountry three, four week starving myself to get something right. Absolutely. And we, we would certainly love to get them on the podcast. So, <laughs> and, and I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, we're going to have you on the podcast within the next year and have, have, have another story to that. You're going to push yourself within this next year and we're going to have you on again. Right. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. see, right. you heard it here first, ladies agreed, and gentlemen, verbally, verbally agreement. Sign we up. have another recurring guest here. Um, so uh, a fun question here, since you have your own spirits uh, business here, have you created your own mixed drink uh, that, that. Yes, that's a hundred percent. Hell yeah. What do we got? What is it? So, is this top secret? It's, no, absolutely not. Okay. So, bleep it out. Not anymore. It's not. my bourbon. I've got the persimmon and apple moonshine, right? We've been trying to, I want to find that. Is it out here in Wisconsin? Yeah, it is in Wisconsin. You can get it in Wisconsin or you can get it online, but Wisconsin is one of the few states you can, you can actually get it. Okay. Um, but when you hear moonshine, you usually think like burning hot. It's actually only 50 proof. Um, so it's what I like to make in the fall when you can get persimmon is a persimmon martini. So I take my vodka and my moonshine with a little fresh persimmon and make it kind of shake up a persimmon martini. And that is by far the coolest drink and best tasting one I've ever had. I guess, no, I I guess we have you. something to try now. Yeah, I yeah. promise you the next time you are on the show, we will all be drinking that. Yeah. Instead of instead of vermouth, use my moonshine. So two-thirds vodka, one-third my moonshine. Put some real persimmon in, shake it up. It's awesome. Done. Is, is, uh, is, uh, is your vodka available in Wisconsin as well? Yeah. Well, Wisconsin's my favorite state in the world because they have all of my spirits available. You're damn right it's your favorite state in the world. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> fucking cheesehead badgers motherfuckers 
Um, excellent. Are you, that or are you okay with that? Nope, we're oh, good. Fine. We're All good. Right. Sorry about that. No, you're good. <laughs> as long as you uh, have your stuff available here, we're good with that. Yes, we need it. Um, so you've talked a lot about hunting in general, and you've given given a lot of the things that you enjoy a lot about it. But I want you to narrow it down to one. What is your favorite thing about hunting? And the options that are giving, um, and 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 our family, friends, the sport, the meat, the challenge, etc. What is your favorite thing about the sport of hunting? It's definitely the friendships and being with friends doing it, right? Like that's number one, the camaraderie of it. But again, like I, there's a real cancel culture, so you hate to say it, but there's something awesome about shooting the prey that you're going for. I mean, it, it's awesome. You can't describe it until you shoot a striped bass that like you've, wanted to get or a deer that you want it you know it's hard to explain how that feels that you you've accomplished your goal and you've done that right like circling back to like for me it was high school that i had my goals right and now it's this but it would be camaraderie first and then kind of goal setting second it's just that 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 primal instinct of getting the Getting the kill. Like Maslow's hierarchy yes. of needs. I talked about that on a different podcast. But like sec- food security. It's a huge thing. Getting that kill, being able to, to provide. Yeah. It's a, but it's, it's not, good. you know, I hate, I don't want to be apologetic about it because it's not just the meal, right? Because I do mm-hmm. eat it. But there is, there is an enjoyment about it. I mean, I love to bow hunt. I love to fish. I love to spearfish. I just... There's something awesome about it. I love the camaraderie of it, but I also, I love going out by myself. Yeah. Being that top dog. Right. Being that, being that alpha. I think it's tune into the beyond the bar because that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit more. My buddy Don was like, uh, you know, I'd love to not be a hunter, but I'm not sure I could get my testosterone low enough. (laughs) Right. Like there's something inherent in men to go out and provide and conquer and do this and i don't i don't not sure how to describe it but it's i i very much enjoy it it's great right oh yeah hell yeah and uh and 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 finally this is the last fan question here and uh (laughs) is there going to be this is this is an actual question is there going to be a beer with the boys discount code on your your hunting websites are you, are you if sure you would like that 100 percent. hell yeah boom we'll make this beers. happen should we make it beers or beers with the boys beers is quicker b bwtb is usually what we go to all right so bwtb 15 percent off does that work that work that works for me works for me all right done boom it's only online by the way that doesn't work in stores boom you heard it here first i mean you B- can't just use walk bw i'll let you use, use bwtb at code droptime.com. at droptime.com droptime.com and get 15 percent off your order boom done hell yeah look at that look at that the fans coming in clutch for us <laughs> i'm gonna use that code i'm gonna abuse it don't worry perfect perfect jeremy you have any other questions before we uh we switch it over here um 
I guess my last last question, because I, I love I'm a huge fan of the, the drop time, the, the the distillery, the the spirits. Other than the rum, is are you guys gonna plan to expand more and like what's the like what's the goal for the distillery and the spirit oh. side of things? What do we got to look side, forward to? What I'm trying to do is resonate like with the bourbon, it was bourbon with brandy, which really resonates with hunters. So we're doing, the rum is going to be called Canyon Run, which is more for boaters all up and down the east side uh, of the country. The east coast is the canyons. And that if you're going to go for tuna or pelagic fish, you go to the canyons. And I want something that's authentic, that resonates with people who love what I love, right? Mm -hmm. And I love fishing, I love that. Um, and so I think after that one, I would love to do a tequila and more of kind of a waterman's tequila, which is more of kind of just the water, whether it's spearfishing or surfing, kind of ties into that ethos of the water, kind of like, I don't know, Cabo, Mexico. So eh, I think the next thing after the rum will be a tequila. Might have to be a tequila guy now, I guess. Yeah. Well, well, you promise you got two. You got two customers here. All right. And, well, that's uh, two more than I have currently. So. Thank <laughs> you very much. Boom. So, excellent. Well, um, this is the time in the episode where we uh, we flip the interview over to you. So, do you have any questions for for us before we uh, get to the last two? I do. If you could bring one drink other than in the drop time. <laughs> And other than water to a deserted island, what would the, what would your drink be? Hmm. Well, if good I'm question. having a good time, or, I mean, listen, this is it. You got you got, you got water, water, and you got this. So I got water and drop time on the island already. Yeah, already you already forget, have them. Forget drop time. You have water, and you <laughs> you got one option for the other one. Oof. Is it diet coke? Is it some wine? Is it a is it a whiskey? What what? Other than water, what would you bring to that deserted island? Oh, I'll, go ahead. Good? Go ahead. Uh, I'll go. Uh, my, my, my number one is, is always going to be Jack and Coke. People that have listened to this, this podcast know that that always has a special place in my heart. It was the first alcoholic beverage that I have ever had in my life. I was all of three years old. I ran over to my dad's uh, <laughs> recliner side table and, and chugged his drink while he went to the bathroom and uh and and it's just a a meckley family uh staple the the jack and coke so um uh, a, a good drink there water i'm already hydrated a good drink to make me remember remember where i came from remember uh remember the family is 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 always something i'm always going to go to and uh hell it, it tastes so damn good it is uh, <laughs> it's pretty good when it touches the, the lips yep uh, mine, I'm gonna go with my my standby. I've turned everyone I, I know into a a Paps Blue Ribbon drinker, because I nice. I that's the one beer that I'll always have in the house. Like anytime you come over, you need a beer, you're getting a Paps. So that would probably be the one drink that I would bring along, cause it just tastes like home. I mean, it just tastes like you're sitting on sitting outside by a fire, or sitting at home, watching a football game on a Sunday yeah. or Saturday. It's good. To, it's it's the taste of home. Nothing just, better. It makes you feel at home while you're deserted on an island. So, and oh, yeah. you're kind of getting hydrated too, I guess. So it's a, it's a win-win. 
hundred percent. What about uh, if I were to say, what's your passion in life outside of podcasts? You you go first. You know, I think you know your passion a little bit more than me. Yeah, um... milfs. <laughs> Uh, I would no, say, did, did I say that out loud? <laughs> You're good. Um, I think my passion is really working with people. Um, but more specifically, I did a, I did some work with a nonprofit in Milwaukee called College Possible, and that was really where I found my passion. I think, and that was working with low-income students within like Milwaukee public schools, and helping them along the college track to like apply to colleges, apply to scholarships, get different things done. And I really feel like my passion lies in kind of that degree divide and being able to provide what students in larger public schools within inner cities lack with the the staff that is there. And that's something that I really do enjoy doing. And it was one of the most rewarding jobs that I had in my life so far. Is there any way I can remove my prior MILF statement from the <laughs> awesomeness of what you just said? Like, feel a little shallow. Oh, you're good. We could bleep that out, maybe. I'll figure can it we out. take that out? Can, can we make me feel a little deeper and more concerned? <laughs> no, well, you're I, good. I'll, but, I'll make it easy and say MILFs yeah. are my number one. But <laughs> You're saving me from my own debauchery. Uh, I... My my number one and and great great answer there, Jeremy. Um, my number one is is since I've been been married, I've only been married about a, about a year and a half now. Been with the with the with the same woman for multiple years, long time. Um, it only feels like forever. It only feels like forever. So it it it's mine is as I wish I could say something. B- that sounded better, but to me, it sounds like the best thing in the world. It's, it's just straight up building the best future for my, the next generation as best as I can. Um, and, and, and developing this, this Meckley name, my last name as, as something that, that means more than just a name. And, and, and it's, I, I, you know, I want to be the person that, you know, and this will come more in depth in a future episode, or, you know, if you look, check out the uncomfortable podcast, it will come out in that. Um, it will come more in depth about this, but I, I went to a funeral to it for a, a, a dear friend, my junior year of college. And that the people that were there and, 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 and it wasn't the amount of people there, but it was the the quality of the people that were there was so great. And, and, and left a huge impression on so many people in his lives um, that since that moment, I have always thought in my brain and I've always said to, you know, at least the people that mean the the most to me that I want to leave an incredible impression in my life that, that when I pass away, I want people to know that an incredible person passed away, but not only that, but he left an incredible story and an, an incredible grind, you know, behind, but beyond him and every person that, that, that he influenced and every person that went on did so much. 
Um, so it's really just that it's just living my life. It's not a career. It's not a, it's not a path in particular that, that, that fits that. Right. It's that I just want to, the moment that I leave this earth, um, the people that follow me, whether it be my children, whether it be the, just the, 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 the people that, that thought that I was a cool person, uh, just keep it going and, and, and keep changing the world a little bit at a time. And, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's one of those things that I just want to, you know, make sure that the, the name is known, but, uh, but it, but it, it, it changes the world a little bit. And uh, yeah, that's amazing. Keeps, keeps it rolling. Where do you I podcast? Had, uh, <laughs> when my, when my father passed, who was like a huge part of my life, right? Like, uh, and when that happens, it's, it, you go through his stuff and all of a sudden he's not there and you're like, and I found the letter from his mother, my grandma saying when his father had died saying, you know, your father gave you his name and it was a great name when he gave it to you and you make it a better name when you leave it to your kids. And that's what you're saying there, right? Like that's what we're all hoping for is like, our name keeps passing on to us and we just want to make it a little better when we give it on to the next. Hell yeah. That's you said it in so many fewer words than I did. <laughs> you so, said it a little better than you too. It's fine. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, that's exactly it is. Um, you know, the, the, the Meckley name has been around in, in, in our area for, for so long, for multiple generations. It's my great, great grandpa. And, uh, just always leaving it better than you found it. And, yeah. you know, that's, people always say that is like, you know, always leave a place better than you found it in a, in a, in a sense of cleaning. But, you know, when you, when you talk about generations, just always be better than the generation before you. And, and, and it, that's not to say the generation before you, or even before that was bad. It's just always make it a little bit better right. and, uh, and keep it rolling. And, and my son um, or daughters, you know, and, 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 and whoever, and my grandchildren will continuously make this better. And it's going to be fun to, fun to watch wherever you are. Absolutely. Well, this is great. Uh, a great time. I love to meet you guys. Absolutely. Fantastic. So we have, if you have no other questions, we have two more for you and you know, what's coming here. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the the first of these (laughs) two in particular. Does he know know what's coming? I prepared him on this right. one and I'm excited to see what he says. Um, so the question that we ask every one of our guests in the inevitable world, Hollywood comes to you and says, Hey, we're going to make a movie about you. And you've, you've accomplished so much in your life. You've done so well. We want to make a movie about you. Who is playing you in that movie and who is playing your two favorite podcasters who helped get you there? <laughs> Uh, two podcasters you guys um who plays me my buddy uh who we're doing that field ethos website bust my chops that i'm love child of uh william defoe and brad pitt and he likes to make fun of me for that so like <laughs> somehow if you mix a funny guy and a good looking guy maybe that might I, i'd be happy with that um 
but you guys, uh, I'm going to say you've impressed me with the podcast. I'm going to go with you guys. You're just going to cast us? I'm going to cast you guys for the podcast, guys. I'm going to cast William Defoe. If you've ever seen uh, Platoon, am I yeah, that dude was the greatest guy ever. Hell yeah. yeah, we get to play ourselves. That's, That's the first time now. anyone said that. Oh my god. I mean, that guy's the greatest person ever in the history of all things. We're in a movie with William Defoe. Hell yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. Watching him die from the helicopter being like, ah, that sucks, but we're going home. It's the same movie. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All I'm right, all- so that's number one. William Defoe plays me. We, we've done well. We've done well enough oh. to be cast as actors in Hell our own yeah. film. I'm not much of an actor. I don't know how the camera adds 10 pounds, so I don't know how it's going to look on me. That's good. We've I'm done We've been everything. Either. We've done, been everything from like Chris Hemsworth to a cartoon rat. Like that's, that's, that's where we've been throughout this. So being ourselves, I think that's a solid middle. Yeah. A, no, I think you're, you're, you're doing good. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate that. It. And in our final question, um, as I, as I warned you for here, we like to close every conversation with some closing time wisdom. And let me just say, um, at least on my end of things, like this conversation has certainly been one of those conversations where it, it, it just led to that in ends and, and having some good words and, and good conversation, um, and, and having the idea that the best conversations do come from having a good drink with somebody. Um, but the best wisdom comes when you're paying your tab and they leave you with one more thing. What is your closing time wisdom for us as well as every other guest listen to the show? Oh, man. You, I think it's, it's really follow your bliss is my view right and i can be way wrong but if there's something in you you love follow it and maybe i'm crazy because i love bourbon and that's insanely addictive maybe you shouldn't follow it but i do love it and i love bow hunting maybe there's something wrong with that but i do love it and it's taken me to places that i wouldn't have imagined i'd be so it's it's really follow your bliss. Whatever that bliss is, don't be afraid that it will become work, right? As I kind of said earlier, where my dean was like, oh, you know, you're going to get into hunting and fishing. It might just become your work. It does, but don't be afraid of that. Follow your bliss. What makes you happy, follow it. We have at a maximum 100 years and most likely a lot less. And so, Try to do something you enjoy, be with people you enjoy, do stuff you enjoy, push yourself a little bit. That's sort of my my angle on it. Um, like I said, I, I run marathons. I'm not the winners finish before I do, but I really enjoy pushing myself and trying to beat my last time. Right. So follow your bliss would be my uh, my best advice. It's beautiful advice, right there. I love it. Oh yeah, good. I'm. That's it. I'm just right like go just run a marathon right now or something. Yeah, I'm ready to fucking rock. Listen, I'm ready go. to grow a beard. I just can't. So. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Dave, we really appreciate this. But Thank really you for taking some me. time, jumping on our show, um, 
given some some great wisdom to the people that 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 listen to this. Um, we're excited to have you on again, and uh, we're we're Anytime. speaking that you're not getting rid of us that easy. So we'll be back. Don't worry. Exactly. I love it. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Hell yeah! No, thank you for 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 drop time whiskey, and thank you for everything else that you do. And uh, we're we're excited for that rum. We're excited for everything else. So, with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been beer with the boys. I have been Jake. He has been Jeremy. He has been Dave eater of drop time spirits and and much much more and we have been beer with the boys we love you may the beer be with you and also with your soul we love you great thanks guys